This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. For a word of prayer as we go into the word. Father, we thank you. The eternal rock of ages, the God that never fails, the one that has never changed. The Bible says you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are consistently consistent. You are good. You are faithful. You are God. For all of this and much more, we say thank you today. And Lord, as we look into your word of life, we ask, O oh God, oh God, that you will speak to us. Spirit of the living God, open our ears, open our understanding that we may hear and understand in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You know, just as I was praying, I remembered uh, something I saw on great status yesterday. You know, he posted something that goes somewhat like this. He said, when a spiritual authority speaks... It says you cannot, there are some things that cannot be had, except you have spiritual ears or something to that effect. You know, so the prayer is that God will open our spiritual ears that will be able to hear in the name of Jesus. Today we're talking about what I've simply titled the power of gratitude. And something interesting happened. You know, this morning as I was wrap, wrapping up, no, we were praying actually. Something popped up, popped up on my phone. It was, uh, I, I have Givelify app on my phone. You know, one of our churches, that was, that's what they used to give. So whenever I visit them, I use that app to give money. You know, Givelify just pulled up and told me the power of gratitude. I said, that's good. I'm in the spirit. <laughs> Praise is comely to God. Thanksgiving is a wonderful thing to do. Have you ever done something nice to somebody and they refuse to appreciate what has been done? Because they devalued what has been done. So lack of thanksgiving is actually a devaluation of whatever has been done. Amen? Everything about our life, our work. In fact, the very definition of faith, if you want something that describes faith, is thanksgiving. Because who gives thanks when you have not received an answer? Amen? So you are still expecting, but you are already giving thanks. You are already showing gratitude. You are already appreciating God for what you know he's going to do. So gratitude... It's comely. In the world we're living today, with all the busyness, many people are busy, busy doing this, busy doing that. With all the busyness and all the challenges of life, the last thing on many minds is gratitude. Why? Because all of those things that we are experiencing, they cause us to focus on what has not been, and it causes us to worry. But I want to show us otherwise today, to show us that there is power in gratitude. There is power in gratitude. Gratitude is not merely a fleeting emotion that you feel and you just say, 
thank you for something nice that has been done to you. It's way more than that. Gratitude is a spiritual discipline, a posture of the heart. In fact, gratitude is an attitude. It's an attitude. During the past week, you know, I had, for some reason, I was just reflecting. Just reflecting on my journey of life up to where I am today. And, you know, I remember, some of you will remember this. We used to play a welcome video, you know. And there were some guys, pilots, why do people go to church, all of these things. And one of those guys said that going to church and having a, re a relationship and a dependence on God is for wimps. So I thought about, I remember, for some reason I remember that this week. And I thought hard about it. And I came to the conclusion that I'm truly a wimp when it comes to Christ. Because not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I realize that what has sustained me is my reliance and dependence on God. Amen? My understanding that I cannot do it alone. I need him. I need God. You know, and I, I, I was thinking, Pastor Ivy, I was thinking that what would have happened if I don't have Jesus in my life? As dependent as I am on him, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I would be depressed. I'm telling you. Because I, I rely on him for everything. I trust him even for the basic things. You know, there's a vivid example in my head, but I can't share with you. Maybe when we get to, to have and to hold, I can share. <laughs> it's bedroom talk. <laughs> you know, but for everything, I trust God. I trust, and so that causes, <laughs> that causes me. <laughs> okay, get over it. I know pictures, you are painting pictures in your head. What can it be? Could it possibly be this? All of that and more. Everything you have thought, add more to it. <laughs> so when I think about all of that and how he has consistently, brethren, consistently helped me, I have no choice but to give thanks. It has become my attitude, my disposition, who I am. If I don't know what to pray, trust me, I know what to thank God for. In fact, I thank him even for the things I don't know about. Because there are many things God has delivered us from that we are not even aware of. There's a story I've told many times here, but we always have new people. You know, this happened back in Africa, in Nigeria. There was... So the testimony, <laughs> the testimony was not shared by the owner of the testimony because the person that had the testimony didn't realize they had a testimony. So a guy was driving, and he was waylaid by armed robbers. So they took his car and put him in the car with them at gunpoint. And as they're going, the leader of the gang said, uh, that other car, they should... Snatched that other car too. So they started going after the other car. The other person didn't know anybody was coming behind them. You know, she would make a turn, 
They will turn with her. She will go through traffic. And she, all of that was happening. And after a while, they gave up and said, let's look for somebody else. Do you know that that person, that lady that was driving, could be driving home complaining? Oh, my life is not worth it. What have you done for me lately? What is God doing? God is not moving. I have prayed and prayed. I have fasted and fasted. But God just delivered her. But she didn't know it. There are many things that God has delivered you from that you have absolutely no idea of. I laugh at people that talk so proudly about their accomplishment. I did this. I did that. And the other thing. And the other one. And this and this and that. Do you know all it takes in life is one life situation it will completely change your perspective about life. Just one. You don't need 10 things to happen. Just one thing can change your life disposition. You can imagine somebody that has been planning and planning, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and all of a sudden, not you, not me, you go to the doctors and I say, you have cancer. And they say to them, unfortunately, is stage four cancer, and there's nothing we can do. Whatever aspiration, everything is rearranged immediately. Immediately. It is important to give thanks to the Lord. What is gratitude? If you have the church app, the sermon notes is already in the church app. Gratitude is simple is a heartfelt response to God's goodness. If you are alive, are you hearing me? If you are alive, God has been good to you. If you are breathing, you are living, you know, God has been good to you. Because there are many that wish they are in your shoes today. In spite of whatever it is you're complaining about. Gratitude is simple, a heartfelt response to God's goodness, to God's mercy, to God's provision. Friends, how many people here this morning, you came to church, you woke up under the bridge to come to church? Anybody? Well, okay. It might not be a nice thing to admit to, but I'm confident there's nobody here like that. But there are some people under the bridge that have no place to go. Many years ago, well, not that many years, we were in this building, you know, but when we just got this building, this would be around 2013, there was a homeless guy that I was ministering to. When I heard a story, it broke my heart. Broke my heart. This guy, PhD in physics. PhD. You know, my interaction with him, I knew there was something about him. He had knowledge. You know, it was not just some loser living under the bridge. So I inquired further, and he told me his story. Just one life situation put him on the street. One life situation. There was another guy, uh, I went to 
I went to Subway, you know. Subway was my go-to place back in the day. I went to Subway to get me a sandwich, you know, and this guy said hello to me. You know, and politely I said hello back, but he knew I didn't know him, you know, so he smiled. He said, Pastor, I know you don't know who I am. I said, yes, I'm sorry, but please forgive me. So who are you? He was one of the guys that came to our food pantry often to receive food. But now he was homeless at the time. Now he's cleaned up, looking good, looking, you know, very, you know, professional, looking sharp. I didn't recognize him. When he said that, I looked at him again, and then I, with the eye of the past, <laughs> I saw him. Friends, those people did not commit any sin beyond what you have committed. It is important for us to remember God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's provision. The problem with most of us is you want the next, a bigger house than the one you are in now. You're, you already, you have a home, but you want something bigger. You want something better. You want a better car, you know? I mean, just in case you want to know, you know, there's a new uh, cyber truck. How many people know the cyber truck, Tesla? Cyber truck, that's what I like now. <laughs> you gift me with that, I will take it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Our problem is not lack. Our problem is more. Our problem is what? More. more. We want more. We want more. So today, I want to show us five ways through which gratitude can empower us. Number one. Gratitude, I've never, sweetheart, I've never seen a person that has, their heart is filled with gratitude that is sad. Have you? Do you know anybody whose heart is filled with thanksgiving and gratitude and they are going, walking around like this? No. Anyone that their heart is filled with gratitude is a happy person, is a joyful person. Sad people are people that are not content with something in their life. So the number one way gratitude can empower us is it shifts our focus to God's provision. When I'm a person that has gratitude in their heart, I learn not to trust in me, but trust in him. Pastor, God bless you. She said something earlier that she was asking the Lord that why do you wait till the 11th hour and allow me to go through all those pain and worry and things? And God said, you did that to yourself. You did that to yourself. Why? You lost sight of me. You, you, you are not seeing me anymore. If you can shift your focus... So God's provision, everything changes. It changes your perspective. It changes your expectation. It changes everything. And how do you do that? Give thanks with a grateful heart. 
Give thanks with a grateful heart. Oh, somebody say, well, this is uh, November. Uh, God has failed me and this and that and that. Psh. The ones that got it and did not last till the end of the year, what value is it? Did that statement make sense? Somebody aspired, they got it, and because they got it too soon, it landed them where they didn't, they didn't like. Gratitude will shift our focus to God's provision. Remember uh, Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Seek ye first. Amen? 31 says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we wear, what will we drink, and all that stuff. That's the stuff that is killing a lot of people. Amen? <laughs> when, I, when I needed to worry about what to wear, was not because I had so much. I had so little. And the only one was ripped. But I wore it proudly. When I iron it, spray starch, make everything look. Wearing your problem does not make people have more compassion. When you're wearing the problem, it becomes a topic for conversation. <laughs> it just makes it a topic for conversation. You know? You can look good. Some people are afraid to look good. If I look good, they will know I'm suffering. <laughs> when, you, when you look like your problem, they will help you at the level where they think you are. Tom change. There's a, I witnessed it myself. This is not a story that I was told. I was in the office of a a very influential person that gives out contracts and things. And a guy came in looking for a contract. You know, you know like the 18-wheelers. Petroleum product is what it was. He looked like his problem. So what they did was, they said, let's help him with, I don't know what, drum. What's drum? A barrel. A barrel with like, I don't know, maybe 100 liters of gasoline. He said, let him supply two barrels of those. That is fitting for his problem. Even if it's to borrow, you go borrow, borrow nice suit and wear, look good. You're going for a, a contract. You want them to give you a contract for a million dollars and you look like your problem. You didn't plan well. You didn't plan well. Gratitude will shift your focus from you and shift it to God's provision. Jesus, in John chapter 6, 1 to 14, when you get home, you can read it. The Bible says he looked at the multitude and he asked Philip. He said, Philip, let's give them food. The Bible says he already knew what he was going to do. So the problem I'm faced with, what I'm struggling with right now, God already knows, he knows what he's going to do. Whether or not you fret about it. You can fret, you can worry, you can all of that, but God already knows. 
Ben, he knows. He knows exactly what he's going to do. The Bible says he asked Philip to test him. But Philip didn't know that. So Philip began to reason with God. He said, ah, but Lord, even if all of us, including yourself, if we go work for months, we cannot make enough money to feed these people. We're looking at 5,000 people, not counting women and children. And you're saying, let's give them food. What's wrong with you, Jesus? Isn't that how many of us relate with God? We, may, we, we have brought God to our level. You know? And some people will say, oh, all those things, Pastor, you say, you believe it, you will be, end up with nothing, no? Oh, yeah, that's how some people think. Why? Because you have relegated God to your level. So Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus smiled. Andrew Andrew was now. Andrew said, there's a little boy with uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes. He said, okay, tell everybody to sit down. I'm going to show you a miracle here today. So everybody sat down, and Jesus gave thanks. Give thanks for the little you have. Every day, appreciate God for what you have. Don't make the focus of your life what you don't have. Oh, I want this. I want that. What is happening? It's not happening fast enough. Where is God? God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And then you begin to blackmail God. I have served you all my life. I gave all my money. What is the church doing with my money? (laughs) Treasurer, where is treasurer? Ask the treasurer. She keeps the book. Amen. And we all watch it together. Ask the administrator. Mommy, stand up. <laughs> they are the ones watching the money. She writes the check. I don't touch the check. I don't write anything. God, where are you? And then you begin to blackmail God. Philip was telling Jesus. He said, even if all of us we begin to labor from today, for several months, this thing can never happen. And God, God showed him differently. That day he learned. May God reveal himself to you. In the name of Jesus. How does gratitude empower us as believers? Number two, very quickly. Gratitude helps us to overcome anxiety. If you are a grateful person, you cannot be anxious. Just think about it. I don't want to go spiritual. (laughs) You know, just think about the logic of it. You are grateful, but you are anxious. You definitely are not grateful. You know, I'm grateful for what I have. Lord, I thank you. I have bread. I have uh, cookies. I have whatever it is you have. You're grateful for that, and you are anxious at the same time. The two cannot go together. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You see, he's saying, what he's saying to you is tell him and leave it alone. 
don't worry about anything. The old King James says, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> be what? Anxious for nada. Be anxious for nada. Instead, pray about everything, tell it to God, leave it with him, and walk away giving thanks to him for all that he has done. Yes, this is a new request, but it's not the first request. Amen? It's not the first request you are making to God. So thank him for the ones he has done, and anxiety will not be an issue for you. Praise the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, he, he was talking about the revelations he's received of God and the many things God has done for him. He said, but I have a thorn in my flesh. He said, three times I have prayed that, Lord, this thing is bad. This thing is terrible. This thing is breaking me down. This thing is killing me. He said, three times I prayed. And God said to me, my grace sufficient for you. This goes back to what Co-Pastor said earlier. All that worry you have put on yourself, God has not put it on you. So with that, Paul, he said, I took you to God three times. He gave me the same answer three times. So I walked away from it. I stopped thinking about it. I let it go. I let it go. Gratitude will empower you to overcome anxiety because gratitude serves as a powerful antidote for anxiety. Instead of being anxious, be thankful. It's a decision that you make. Amen? Number three, gratitude empowers us to have a heart of worship. There's a song that I love very much. You know, our, our choir is so contemporary, you know. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. We have made worship some, what it is not. When somebody says, I'm going to worship service, I'm going to get all that God can give to me. It's about gratitude, people. It's about gratitude. Being in his presence, whether in church, whether at home, on the job, whatever it is you're doing. You know, I've come to understand certain things. You know, and I know when we hear sermons like this, it may sound like the preacher does not have any... <laughs> no, that is not true. I'll tell you a quick story. If I was telling 
a high school student this, this morning. So, so I'm going through the same thing too. She said to me, she's going through the same thing. I was telling her, you know, every year I like to challenge myself to do something uncomfortable, something I don't know, you know? So this year I signed up for cybersecurity class. <laughs> oh, my wife knows what is going on. I confessed to her last week. I said, I have never in my life, 56 years, go to elementary, kindergarten, all of that. In my 56 years of living, I have never in my life felt this inadequate. <laughs> I called Nanila. She was over at my house last Sunday to help me. We both were struggling with it. Then we called uh, Shell on Zoom. So if you are cyber security, please, I need help. <laughs> Amen? But I have learned to rely on him. I deliberately did not tell my wife this part because she's always believed that I'm a genius of some sort. You know? My grades in the class don't reflect my struggle. We've had four assignments. I've had two graded, and the two that have been graded is more than A. It's perfect score. I'm no genius. I'm telling you right now. You know, how it happens, I, I can't even tell you. But I'm resting and trusting in him. Learn to worship in truth and in spirit. Don't make worship a song that you are singing. Worship is an attitude of the heart. You can sing without it getting through to your heart. Because you have a mental knowledge, head knowledge of the song. It's the same way we do when we are dancing disco. Is that ministering worship in your heart? No. You have mental note of it. Put your heart into worship, and you will come out on top on the other side. The psalmist said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, it's a very familiar story to everybody. It's the story of the ten lepers. Ten lepers. Ten lepers approached Jesus. Brother Michael, they said to him, ah, help us, have mercy on us. And he prayed for them. In the moment when he prayed, they didn't feel anything. Leprosy was still all over them. He said to them, he said, go show yourself to the priest, which was a custom, you know. At least they had courage. Don't, do, you know, we like to talk down people that didn't go all the way. But at least they had the courage because if you had leprosy and you go into the city, they will stone them to death. So they had some kind of faith to even endeavor to go to show themselves to the priest. And on the way, they saw that, oh, wow, we are cleansed. Jesus has healed. We are cleansed. We are cleansed. And only one came back. One. One. And the one that came back, the Bible says when he got to Jesus, he went on his knees. 
that is worship, went on his knees and thanked him for what he's done. And the Bible says he was made whole. Being healed and being made whole, two different stories. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33 or Jeremiah 33, 6, it says, I will give them health and kill. It's not a repetition. It's not a mistake. Having health and having kill are two separate things. When you have health, say your blood pressure is elevated and they give you pills to take for high blood pressure, right? And now your blood pressure has come down. Now you have health, but you are not cured because if you stop taking the pills, it goes back up. But when you are cured, if you are cured, you have health. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the one that came back to give thanks got a kill. The others got a healing. The mark was still there. The fingers that had fallen off, they still had vestiges. The one that was made whole, I'm not there, but if the Bible says he was made whole, I imagine his fingers that were stumps grew back. His toes that were vestiges of a toe, they grew back. Why? Because now he's made whole. What am I saying to you today? Give thanks. Have a heart of gratitude. Number four, gratitude fosters contentment. Fosters contentment. Remember the story of uh, the woman, the widow's might. The widow's man. The Bible says everybody came to church one day and Jesus stood by the offering box. <laughs> Imagine me standing by the offering box. You know, in the days that we didn't have electronic giving. Some people would not come out. There's a story I want to tell, but I'm not going to tell it. It came to my heart, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Jesus stood by the offering bowl and he was watching them drop stuff in the offering bowl. And this poor old widow dropped two coins in the offering bowl. And Jesus said she gave the most. The one that gives the most is technically the richest. So what he's saying is that woman is the richest amongst them. You know why? She gave her all. She gave her all. Everything she had, she gave. You know why? Her giving was worship to her. I believe it was Pastor Ibukun that told this story uh, some time ago. He was, tell, he was talking about, I, don't know, I think it was offering or something, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was riding along the road during his time, and then he saw a man begging arms on the street. And he gave the guy two silver coins, gold coins, gave the beggar two gold coins. And his servants were like, no, that's gold. You're giving gold coins. He said, it's just a beggar. Give him bronze. 
He said, no. He said, I'm Alexander the Great. I give because of who I am. I'm not giving because of who he is. I'm giving because of who I am. Oh, you know, in the early days, you know, we were just a handful. We were in the hotel. Just a handful. It was like, Pastor B, maybe like five, we were like ten people. Radebo and Sister Kweju will remember. Maybe like ten people. And there was a family that was part of us then. I pray you don't remember. <laughs> I mean, professionals, like, we were all professionals. He was a professional. You know, I went in the hotel. We don't have subvention from anywhere. Whatever we collected is what we used to pay the bill for the following week. This person will always write a check for $1 without faith. The check paper itself is $1. The pen to write it is five cents. One dollar. $1. But my focus was on God, not on individuals. Saw us through. Saw us through. You don't give because you think it's a church. Let me just give $5. Is that your value? Is that your worth? That woman gave her all because it meant all to her. Praise the Lord. I'm not doing well with time. Number five, thanksgiving gratitude increases joy and positivity in our lives. Let me just run through this very quickly in the few minutes that I have left. How can I cultivate a life of gratitude? Number one, daily reflect on God's goodness in your life. Before you sleep at night, you know, my wind down, I mean, for me to sleep, you know, I I begin to wind down like an hour before I actually sleep. And what I'm doing is I'm reflecting on the day. Oh, Lord, you saved me there. I almost messed up. Only by your grace was I sustained there. Reflect on each day before you close yourself down for the day. It could be a form of prayer, but it doesn't really have to be a prayer. Just a reflection on the day and all that God has done for you. I have some scriptures there, but I'm just going to go through this very quickly. Number two, at the beginning of the year, I told us, I did my part. I told us what the Lord says. Start a book of remembrance. If you have a book of remembrance and you are keeping a journal of the things God is doing in your life, when the enemy comes to try you, to make you sad, you open your book, <laughs> you have no choice, but you go on your knees and begin to worry. You say, Lord, even if you don't do anything else the rest of the year, you have been good. You have been faithful. A book of remembrance. A book of remembrance will help you. Number three, give thanks to God and others. When people have been nice to you, when people have been good to you, be appreciative. Make it a culture 
for yourself to appreciate people. Little people, big people, you know, we like to thank big men. Oh, man of God, thank you very much for the word, sir. What about the other sister? What about the other brother? And the little things they're doing for you. Number four, choose gratitude when you are going through challenges. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's read this one real quick. James 1, 2 to 4. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know why? If a challenge comes my way, it's an opportunity for God to show himself strong and mighty on my behalf. Amen? Some people are already asking, ah, Pastor, this building, yeah, we are building, we are building, we are building, every time we are building, we are building. where is the building? It will come. Amen. It will come. Amen. It will come. When we bought this building, it seemed like yesterday. It's over 10 years now. Oh. Yeah, it's over 10 years. Over 10 years. We have equity on this about a million dollars. So all is not lost is what I'm saying. We need to rearrange our mind. Instead of focusing on the problem, focus on what he has done in the past and thank him for them. Thank him for them. Number five, if you can do this, <laughs> this will transform your life. Have eternal perspective. Listen to me. This world is transient. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> but you have to die to go to heaven. Amen? There is a heaven that is better than this earth. The Bible tells us about the mansion that has been prepared for us. Don't conclude your life based on this earth. Is the reason many people are so afraid of death. They have no expectation of eternity. I've released my wife to marry if I die. Before I told her, I said, you can't marry. If you marry, my ghost will hunt you down. <laughs> said, my ghost will hunt you down. I cannot suffer all these years to make everything all right for you. And then somebody else will now come and be... You know, she must have been praying. So I told her, I said, you know what, that's okay, that's okay. If the Lord decides to take me and you find love, you can go marry. Aww. But, <laughs> you see, I'm crying. <laughs> no, I was laughing. <laughs> it was so much laughter. You know, but I told her, I said, no, no man will do this for you. No man, I mean, all this awesomeness, you know. Just pray that I don't die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Many people are so afraid of death because they have no eternal perspective. They don't even know what to expect. This world is better than anything else for them. That's why they want to grab and build and do everything they can do in this life. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I want a good life for myself. 
but not at the expense of my soul. Oh, no, 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 no. I think by the grace of God, I've worked with God long enough to know that there's a better place than all of this. All of this. Remember what I, what I told you earlier. One life situation will change your perspective about life. So make a conscious, deliberate change by yourself and understand that there's an eternity that is greater than anything else it is that we're expected, uh, experiencing here. Fix your eyes on eternity. Recognize that even in difficulties, God is preparing an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 14, 17, and 18, New King James Version. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for what? A moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Have eternity in perspective. Have eternity in focus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot of his word will go unfulfilled. Every money, every house, everything that you have labored for, when you die, you have no control over it. I will close with this story so we can go into Thanksgiving. There was a man that died. But before he died, very wealthy man, very wealthy, sent all his children to school overseas, you know, a Nigerian man, some in UK, some in the United States, built a huge mansion. And he left in his will, when I die, bury me inside my house, in my compound. So they did. They buried him there. You know, so all his assets, they divided like they would, whatever they can, amongst the children and whatnot. Businesses, they sold everything. The children said they don't have any interest in going back to Nigeria. They sold everything but the house. They couldn't sell the house because his corpse was in the house. You know what the children desire? They say, exhume him and take him to the cemetery and bury him in the cemetery and sell the house. We are not coming back. When you die, you lose every right, is what I'm saying. You're going around huffing and puffing. When death comes, we lose every right. Let's rise to our feet and pray. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.